Hi, this is Lee Purcell, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson, along with guest Adam Sharp. Adam Sharp, president of the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, a.k.a. the Daytime Emmy Awards. The 40th Annual News and Documentary Emmy Awards will be presented on Tuesday, September 24th in New York City. The News and Documentary Emmy Awards honors news and documentary programming distributed during calendar year 2018. This year's Lifetime Achievement Award will be presented to longtime NBC News Foreign Affairs correspondent Andrea Mitchell in recognition of her 50-year career covering domestic and international affairs. The 40th Annual News and Documentary Emmy Awards will be streamed online at emmyonline.tv and other streaming platforms. There's not just quote-unquote one daytime Emmy Awards ceremony. There are several. There's one for entertainment, there's one for sports, there's one for news and documentary, etc. About when did we first see this branch out? So we started to see the, the, the branching out in, in the 70s. You know, we just had the 46th Daytime Awards. We just had the 40th Sports Awards and about to have the 40th News Awards. Originally, there was one set of Emmy Awards when television was in its infancy. Mm-hmm. And as television continued to grow and diversify with new types of programming, more and more networks, more and more different types of craftspeople working in the field, it got too big for just one competition. And so in the 70s, there was a split where the primetime Emmy Awards were taken over by our sister organization on the West Coast, the Television Academy. And then these other genres were left to our Academy on the East Coast, those being daytime, which in the 70s was very much dominated by the soap operas, Mm -hmm. and in the 70s very much dominated by those shot and produced in New York, as well as the news and documentary and sports categories. And so a lot of that reshuffling happened there in the 70s when television was now much more mainstream. You had cable coming on the scene just a few years later. Most homes now had televisions in multiple rooms, not just a curiosity in the corner of the living room. And we've been on that alignment ever since. Constantly adapting these competitions, though, with new categories and and crafts being honored as the industries change. And touching on something we talked about last year, uh, looking at different ways of delivering the ceremonies themselves. The last couple of years, the daytime Emmys in particular, when I say the daytime Emmys, I mean, you know, the entertainment, the soap operas, that particular ceremony, the last couple of years, the daytime Emmys ceremonies have been live streamed over several platforms. Your collective audience was actually greater than it would have been had it been on traditional television. Yeah, I think when you look at and and part of this is a little apples and oranges just because of how things are measured differently for online viewing than a traditional broadcast rating point. But when you look at the Daytime Emmy Awards and the stream of the last several seasons across Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and, and our website, as well as some of our syndication partners, we are the only entertainment award show to be posting 
double-digit year-over-year growth in that audience. And if you do go from the standpoint of just number of eyeballs that watched some portion of the event, that audience right now is indeed bigger than the last couple of years we were on a traditional broadcaster or cable platform. So these numbers are not yet uh, at the same level as you see for, say, the primetime Emmys or, or the Oscars or Golden Globes or any of these others that are still on primetime broadcast television, but they're heading in the right direction as the audience moves in that direction. Which speaks to another question of mine. Okay, yes, depending on how you look at it, the primetime Emmys are capable of reaching a larger audience, but they've continued to struggle in the last couple of years. The audience numbers for each of the last few broadcasts have gone down, and I don't know whether that's a a fact that the television universe continues to expand and you can only get a certain piece of the pie every year, but the fact of the matter is the primetime ceremonies has continued to struggle in that regard. Do you think a day will come when, say, the primetime Emmys might borrow a play from the daytime Emmys playbook and reimagine the way they deliver the broadcast? Well, I don't want to speak for, for my colleagues at <laughs> I, I Academy, okay. but and they uh, very recently signed an eight-year commitment from the broadcast network. So I think their community uh, of primetime television producers has been very invested in ensuring the continued success of of their show, entering, I think it's their 71st year this year, and going to have a fantastic production, I'm sure, in September. But I think they uh, are looking at a lot of the same trends as, as any of us are, as the Oscars are, the Grammys. Uh, as, as I mentioned, everyone in this space, except for the daytime Emmys, sports Emmys, and news Emmys, have had significant audience decline. We have seen significant audience increases. Now, the denominators are different. Mm -hmm. The audiences for all of these shows on their worst day are higher than ours. And so at this moment, uh, broadcast TV is still the place to be. But how does that change in the years to come? Netflix and Amazon are among the biggest winners now at the primetime Emmys. You're seeing them taking home Oscar wins today. For us, they were tied to be the second most nominated network at the daytime Emmys next year. So you can definitely see a trajectory where in a few years' time, potentially streaming platforms outnumber broadcast networks in terms of number of, of nominations. And so when you're looking at the fans and you know the whole, I, whole reason for broadcasting these events is to engage the fans of the honored shows, well, if those fans are finding that programming on an over-the-top provider rather than an over-the-air broadcast, then it makes sense for the honor of that programming to be on that over-the-top platform in the future. So we happened to get there first because we didn't have an existing broadcast deal to tie us there. And some might say that being here in this native digital environment was premature when you look at those numbers, but the numbers are heading in, in the right direction. And the last thing I will say on this point is 
when we look at these over-the-top versus traditional broadcast networks, ABC, NBC, CBS are not going anywhere. Right. When I say this programming moving to these digital platforms, I include those networks in that equation. I include CBS All Access, which this year already has the subscription totals they had originally projected for 2022. We see ABC Disney soon launching their Disney Plus platform, NBC expanding their streaming offerings. So it's very possible that when we look 10 years from now, that these award shows are still on the platforms run by CBS, ABC, and NBC, Fox, but that those platforms aren't necessarily an over-the-air signal as we know it today. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number, thousands of people try to call, I talk to one of them, they stay anonymous, I can't hang up, that's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh. Somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today. Beautiful Anonymous. We're talking to Adam Sharp. Adam Sharp, president of the National Academy of Television, Arts, and Sciences, the Daytime Emmy Awards. The 40th Annual News and Documentary Emmy Awards will be presented on Tuesday, September 24th in New York City. Before I forget, will the news and documentary Emmys be streamed? And if so, where can people view them? They will be streamed 7 o'clock on Tuesday, September 24th. That's Eastern Time. They will be streamed on our website, emmyonline.tv, on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Emmys, and then also on our Twitter feed, The Emmys, and Facebook page, uh, The Emmys. We mentioned at the beginning of the conversation that uh, you're now president, president of, <laughs> of the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. I didn't know this. In a way, this is sort of a full circle for you, Adam, and that you began your career as a Natus Scholarship recipient. I didn't know there was such a thing as, as a Natus Scholarship. Yes, indeed. The the Academy's Foundation currently offers five different scholarships for high school seniors heading off to college, aspiring to careers in, in television. When I won it, there was only one scholarship, so the program has, has grown over the years. But I was, I believe, the second scholarship winner, but the first to actually stay in television. So I think revisionist history lets us say the first. And that was wow, almost 25 years ago now, and it started a relationship with the Academy, which certainly continues in a new way today. The last time you were on, we talked about uh, your career prior to uh, when you got involved with the Academy, and that includes your direct involvement with Twitter. Now, were you always interested in new media? Were, were you interested in traditional media, or were you interested in both? I was interested in both. As I mentioned, my parents had, had both been television journalists, so I, from a young age, had an appreciation and passion for TV news. And, you know, my dad had started in, in radio. His father was a print man. His father was briefly a telegraph operator. So it's sort of been every generation to, to pick the technology of the day. But I also grew up fascinated by politics and then technology. I loved 
uh, you know, growing up as a, a child of the, the early to mid-80s, so you had the PC revolution and then the introduction of the Macintosh, and then when I went off to, to college in, in the 90s, you had the birth of the World Wide Web and the Internet. So through my growing up, you had that same development of the, the new media uh, space. And so all three of those passions, TV news, technology, and politics, tended to, to swirl together. But then fast forward to today, where my previous role to this was six years as head of news and politics at Twitter. So talk about combining those three interests well, news and politics at a tech company. I often point out to people that that was a job at a company in an industry that didn't exist the day I walked that stage and picked up my college diploma. And so how those passions have translated themselves into career choices has adapted as much as the industry has. And going back to how we started our conversation, Adam, every day we see examples of journalists from all media, television, uh, digital streaming platforms, radio, print. We see examples of journalists from every media who use Twitter I would think, in the way Twitter was intended. In other words, they're not just posting cat videos. They're using the immediacy of Twitter and the ability to post uh, short videos and link print articles to not just keep President Trump accountable, but to show the details of a story as they continue to uncover it and get deeper into it. For sure. I think Twitter has brought the news consumer along for the ride. I mean, when you think about how we get our information, how we get our news, and how that has changed over the years, I think the most notable change is the age of that information at the time we receive it. You know, there's been all this discussion of fake news and so on, and that term is used I think too broadly, because it applies to everything from directed misinformation and disinformation campaigns by foreign powers, all the way down to typos and news we don't agree with. But I think it is true that when any story is written or published, it is as true as the information that is known at that moment. And so information does age. And if we were having this conversation 200 years ago, the news we'd be talking about that finally made it to to our town would probably have been a week or two old. (laughs) And possibly no longer be the truth. Then newspapers daily, okay, on my doorstep, I get the news as it existed at 6 o'clock last night. Mm-hmm. Television started compressing that even further. Now with the advent of Twitter and social media, you have an instantaneous experience. You are along for the, the ride. When I was in my previous role, and we were talking about you know those campaign reporters out covering the candidates on the primary trail, where with 20-plus Democrats running uh, this year, There's never enough time on the newscast to show you everything every one of them did today. Mm -hmm. But 
if you wanted that visibility, there are reporters on their on that bus that essentially have their own news channels now on on Twitter, where you can follow every statement, every question, every turn. It's just a question of how engaged you want to be as that news consumer. And I would imagine it makes you proud, Adam, to see Twitter used in that way. It certainly makes me proud when I see that potential realized. Yeah. And when people do use the platform for good and to shed light on a story and also to consider the sources. Certainly, I'm disappointed when, when people abuse it. But I, I think back, for example, started this conversation talking about tragic shootings in El Paso and Dayton this week. And I think back to the day then Congresswoman Gabby Giffords had been shot outside a, a campaign event in, in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And there's a period that day where every major network, I think except for one, reported that she had died. And they all had that breaking news banner across the bottom of the screen saying that she had had died. And one reporter who worked for a local paper in, in Arizona tweeted, I talked to her doctors, she's alive. And within about 10 minutes, there were more tweets reacting and responding to that good news than there were tweets responding to the belief that she was dead. Yeah. Even though at this point, every major network was still reporting that, that she had died. So not only was Twitter providing that more instantaneous reaction, but it was also connecting this vast national audience that was following the story to that one reporter who only had a couple of hundred followers because he was the one in the hospital. He was the one who had the access, who had the relationships, who had the connection and the expertise to get the, the answer most directly. And because of that, because he then had the most credible information, the vast majority of Twitter users put aside all those other sources of information to focus on that. I think we don't do enough to celebrate those moments when we have the conversations about all the misinformation. And I think that's a mistake, because if you don't celebrate those moments, people don't go to try to look for those moments and don't try to make those judgments every day of who am I following, who am I retweeting, where am I getting my information from. Adam Sharp is the president of the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, the Daytime Emmy Awards. The 40th Annual News and Documentary Emmy Awards will be presented Tuesday, September 24th at Lincoln Center in New York City. It will be streamed at emmyonline.tv and other platforms. Adam Sharp, thank you so much for joining us and talking to our listening audience. Always. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Become an advertiser or underwriter of TV Confidential and let our brand help promote your brand. To find out more, go to televisionconfidential.com slash advertise. Are payday loans ruining your life? Do you want control over your money again? If you have two or more payday loan cash advances, listen closely. You may be eligible for a program payday loan companies don't want you to know about. 
a program that may help get aggressive and unfair payday loan companies out of your bank account and get you back on track to financial freedom. Payday loan companies may trap you into paying outrageously high interest rates, and they take way too much of your hard-earned money every week. We understand their tactics and know how to keep them off your back. We'll fight hard to help you regain control of your money. If you have two or more payday loan cash advances, call right now for a free consultation. 800-488-5880. That's 800-488-5880. Hi, this is Rhonda Shear, and you're staying up all night or day with TV Confidential. Buying or selling a home can be one of the most stressful things we'll ever do in life, but it doesn't have to be. And no one knows better than our friends at Front Porch Realty Group. Their community of realtors serving the Northern Bay Area of California that cares about their clients as individuals first and foremost. Whether you're a first-time buyer or looking to lease or sell your property in the Bay Area, Front Porch Realty Group will help you through this important transition by providing you with the right information for your situation while lessening the pain. They also work with a network of realtors throughout California who provide the same high caliber of customer service. Call Front Porch Realty Group at 415-886-7411 for a realtor referral near you. You can also visit their website, frontporchrealtygroup.com, for more information on the services they provide including upcoming workshops and seminars. For more information, call 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com. Front Porch Realty Group. They'll find the solution that works best for you. This portion of TV Confidential is sponsored by Uber. Enter the promo code TV Confidential, all one word, when you download the app at get.uber.com slash go slash TV Confidential, and you'll receive a free first ride up to $20. Thanks for powering our stream. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash TV Confidential, x.com forward slash TV Confidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.